on this podcast, we rate and discuss some of our favorite video games, and we kind of analyze them, break them down. Get oh, there goes my mic. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm just going to restart that. <laughs> Should we use that like in our intro? <laughs> that was pretty fun. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing yeah. better happens, we can do that. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slugs. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Deal For Real, and I'm also your host. So as you guys know, on this podcast, we rate and discuss some of our favorite video games. And uh, we kind of, we give them scores and we analyze them. We break them down into very, very three distinct segments overall. Um, Gameplay, aesthetics, and content. Um, aesthetics can be broken down into audio and visual, but um, generally it's those three categories. Um, so yeah, yeah. Whenever I tell people about my podcast, or sorry, our podcast, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Whenever I tell people about Kevin's podcast that I guest on every episode, um, I usually go out of my way to tell them that we discuss the games in great detail. Because if we can spend if we can spend like over an hour discussing Mario Kart sixty four, then I think anything's possible. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we can talk <laughs> about anything. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's what we're here for. But before we get into the game, let's get into everybody's favorite segment: the beer slash table talk segment. Table talk, I like that. <laughs> um, so this week, I you know what? I'm going to be honest. I have the same beer as the infamous. Uh, episode where I, where Peter decided to put in the edits of where I was lit. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I have that beer again, but this time I'm gonna be more careful. Um, <laughs> but it was so good. I love this one. It is a, it's once again Palo Santo Marone. It is a wood a- wood aged brown ale, and I love it. It's also twelve percent. So there you go. Watch out, fam. Yeah. What you got today? I've got myself a, another beer from the Great Divide Brewing Company. This is probably like the fourth or fifth I've had on the show. Um, if you don't know, then now you know. But it is called the Samurai. It is a rice ale. It's a it's a pretty light beer as far as like a you know alcohol content and kind of overall like drinkability. It's pretty easy to drink. Um, but it is a rice ale, so it's something interesting and not something that I drink very often, just because there aren't too many of these around here. I don't think. Um, but it's pretty good. It's definitely got a little rice flavor. I didn't like it the first time I had it, but now I do like it. So, Cool, cool. Well, that sounds uh, pretty delicious, my brother. Hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, what game we got today, man? What, oh, what, man. Are we, what are we giving the folks today? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of meat and potatoes in general. Right. And I got to say, this might be my favorite, one of my favorite servings of meat and potatoes that we've had so far in the show. I'm talking about a game that is very, very important to me, and we'll get into that a little bit. It's a game that Kevin also enjoys. Kevin enjoys watching me play this game, at least when I used to do so. And uh, this game spawned a legendary series, the likes of which we may never quite see again. And uh, this game, drumroll please, is... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. So here I am, doing everything I can. So Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, 
this is a game that was released first on the PlayStation 1, I believe, in uh, late 99, but then was ported to the N64, which is the version that Kevin and I are reviewing today. Um, N64 version is very solid. It was developed by this developer called Neversoft, who I'm a big fan of because of their work on the Tony Hawk series. They uh, put in a lot of great work. They seemed like a great studio, a lot of personality. Um, unfortunately, they don't exist anymore. But they were they were the creators of one of the most successful video game franchises of all time, and that is a fact. Oh. I mean, this is like up here with like maybe not Mario, but like it's definitely up there with like Zelda and like as far as units sold and like cultural impact. This 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 series is up there. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, this is this is a BFD man. Big, oh. a freaking a deal. Yeah, for real, for real, man. Um, well, it's also did you, I don't know? Did you mention that it was a port of a PlayStation game? Um, yes, I did. You did. I missed that yeah. one. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think I looked it up earlier. The guy who ported this over or helped port this over, he was Texas based. So shout outs to Texas, doing it big. I do know that the developer responsible for porting the game was called Edge of Reality, mm. um, porting it for the N sixty four specifically. So, if that if that is actually like a one man operation, that would be pretty dope. Yeah, for our fact checkers out there, <laughs> for our fact checkers out there, uh, hit us up if we got that wrong. But I'm pretty sure he's from Texas. Um, so my my experience with this game is that I do watch Peter do a lot of speed runs with it, um, but. I've actually played this game for many, many years. I never owned it officially. I So before I had gotten a Nintendo 64, my cousins had one, and I would go over to their house all the time when I was younger. When my parents would go to work, they'd drop me off at my cousin's house, and they would babysit me and whatnot. Um, so they had this game, and they would play me all the time, and I was not very good, at least compared to them. Um so I was always a step behind, but I I picked up the game and I had a lot of fun playing it, especially the multiplayer modes with my cousins. And so, yeah, that's kind of my experience, but it's also a lot of fun to watch, especially speedruns. I, I never knew how how fun those speedruns could be to watch. Um, I, I Arguably, it's more fun than playing the game casually, uh, in my opinion. I, I really enjoy the speedruns of this game. So, Yeah. Well, uh, as Kevin mentioned, I speed. I used to speed run the game. I wouldn't say I still do it. I did a little bit last night uh, as I was playing the game to review. Felt kind of good to get back in the groove. But uh, before then, because I only started speed running it in like the winter of 2016, and I didn't stick with it for too long. But before then, I had the game as a child because my brother bought it because it was really his N64, my older brother, and I was hot garbage at the game for <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> Um, I, I found it a little difficult to play. I was probably just too young to understand. I must have been six or so at this point. But uh, eventually I got good at it and I started to really like it. It got me interested in skateboarding in general as it did with like probably literally hundreds of thousands of other kids around the country back then in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it hooked me up. It got me onto the series as a whole. Like I was a big fan of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, 3 and then other later games in the franchise as well. Um, I've gone and like ranked them, you know, multiple times on different occasions, like with different criteria. So I, I feel very strongly about this series. Hmm. Um, in case I wasn't already made clear, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I sp- used to speed run this game, and if I can brag a little bit, the highest placing I ever had on the worldwide leaderboards 
was sixth place. Wow. Out of about 15. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you should have kept it at that. You're like, you're top six in the world, dude. But still, I mean, at one point, there were only five people in the world who had played the game faster than me, you know? Yeah, that's which true. Is, which is, that- it's pretty cool to be able to say, like, I know exactly how many people are better than me at this thing. Right. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I agree. Does uh, that include the PlayStation version or does that like a perversion thing or what? I believe it includes all versions, but um, serious speedrunners only run the N64 version because it has the fastest loading times by a country mile. Oh, that's kind of neat. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's because that, uh, that flat, is it flash memory on the cartridge? Yeah, it's, yeah, I was about to say flash versus CD ROM. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But cool, man. Cool. Well, uh, without further ado, let's uh, get into our breakdown, shall we? Yeah. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and start with gameplay? Let me start with gameplay. Okay, so gameplay, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, It actually, I I also share the opinion that it's really hard to pick up and play. Um, (laughs) it's, It's not an easy game at all. And I think it's definitely a a game that you have to take some time getting used to. And even then, if you think you're going to beat the game, uh, you still got to spend some time because, it, I don't know, it's just really hard. But once you master, once you become a pro skater, <laughs> <laughs> then you can probably successfully get through the game consistently and quickly. Um, I, unfortunately, have never been able to do that. Um, <laughs> but I've... I'm no slouch, but I'm no I'm no pro skater. So, um, yeah, the gameplay, like I said, I think it's very hard. I don't think it's very beginner friendly. Um, but once you get the gist of the hang of things, it finally starts to get easier. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's just kind of one thing that I noticed. Uh, one big thing in particular that I was like that really peeved me was the fact that I couldn't get over a pipe. I'm I, at least I'm bad at this, but I couldn't get out of a pipe like pushing forward. I don't know if other people have problems with this, but um, I didn't find it very easy to like because there was a lot of times where you have to go over a pipe and like past it to get like a letter or an object or hit an object or something like that. And I was just like, oh, I just want, come on, Jeff, <laughs> and I just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to get over uh, the pipe. So I found that at, at least in terms of. Uh, maneuverability at times was very difficult and learning the tricks and trades and how everything kind of works together. Um, it's not really like thrown at you, you know, um, you kind of have to learn it yourself and sometimes even look it up and have other people teach you and whatnot, because there's never anything that's like, Hey, here's the controls of the game right before you go into career skater, something like that. But I mean, you can look it up, but yeah. Yeah. If I can speak to that a little bit. Um, well, first I want to say that I'm glad that we're coming at this from like different skill levels or experiences. I'm not trying to like throw shade on you or like, oh, I'm better than you. But like, it's just literally like good for the sake of the podcast, I think, mm-hmm. that we can have these like differing opinions. And I agree with you that I don't think the game is easy to pick up and play. I mean, granted, for me personally, when I learned how to play the game or tried to, I was like five or six. And I mean, to be fair, there were other games that I could play well when I was five or six. But maybe uh, if I tried to pick up the game at a later age, maybe I could have gotten it a little faster. But um, yeah, you're right about the game not really like throwing tutorials at you. It does have little like tips that will float into the side of the screen. 
sometimes, yeah. but they don't they don't uh, they don't go out of their way to like make a tutorial, which I think is kind of cool because I know that tutorials are pretty bothersome a lot of the time. Yeah, but this might be like one of the games that actually legitimately needs <laughs> a tutorial. <laughs> right, it is pretty complex. As far as like mechanics or things that give me trouble, I'm not sure that I share your problem of getting out of pipes. <laughs> so I'll just say that for the record. Um, but there are some occasions where it's a little difficult to do. Um, for those who don't know, the way that you're supposed to exit a half pipe or quarter pipe is by holding forward on the stick or the D-pad uh, as you ollie out of the pipe. Sometimes it doesn't quite work. Like if you're not holding forward for long enough when you reach the lip of the pipe, that might be what's causing your problem. Yeah, and and I've it's just a very particular timing, I think. Um, but and I don't know. Maybe I just suck at it, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the only mechanic that I really ever struggle with is when I'm at a standstill and I want to start moving but also turn at the same time. That can be really frustrating because if you're at a standstill and like you're holding back on the stick or the D-pad, like if you're holding that to stay still and then you press forward and also try to turn at the same time, you'll kind of just pivot in place without actually going anywhere. So if you want to like get a get a turning start, so to speak, you have to go straight for like a little bit and then curve around, which isn't like a game-breaking thing by any means, and it like barely affects my score for the game, but it's just one little like one little problem that I notice in a game that I think is otherwise extremely like satisfying and fluid from a gameplay and mechanic perspective. Yeah, um, from a de- developer standpoint, all of that thinking about all of this stuff, it must be hard. At least, especially back in that in those days, it must be hard to implement stuff like this. Like, I can only imagine <laughs> what it took to make something uh, with all of these controls. Yeah, um, I remember learning a little bit about the development process back when the game was still pretty new, and they were kind of hyping it up. And they talked about how they like mocapped professional skaters, and then had to like you know, sync up the proper animations to the proper movements and physics and stuff. And it just sounded like a headache and a half, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But it's something that they certainly perfected in later games. Like, I, I feel like some of the later games have, I could say probably literally perfect mechanics. Some of the later games have, like, they are just so good. And But it's wow. what's impressive is that this game, I don't think, is like as far away from that as you might expect. Like, it's it's still really solid and like really fun and, very responsive and very speedy. I like the sense of speed that the game has, but it was—it's it just laid such a solid foundation for future games to improve upon, and I think you have to respect that. Right. Um, I do like the incorporation of the five tape system per level. Um, I found that to be—I don't know—I th- I thought that was really fun. You—you kn- you knew what you were looking for in each level, and it—it it, it felt almost uh, archaic. Um, not not to be confused with archaic, but <laughs> I was it about felt, to say <laughs> arcadeic. It felt arcade-ish. Yeah, yeah. Arcadian. You I mean you have your goal for each level, and you set out and you go and try to accomplish that goal, and you can either accomplish it quicker with more points, or those are basically the two options. But um, I, I will say, and this this point was brought up by my my good buddy Z Link. Um, <laughs> I believe the the timer could use a slight boost. Maybe from like 2 minutes to 2 minutes and 30 seconds or from 2 minutes to 3 minutes, but I think it's just a little too quick 
that's just my personal opinion. And and there's one that uh, Z-Link kind of brought up to me, or Chris, as some might like to call him. But, um, yeah, that's one of them. I'm curious what you think about the timer. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned it because I hadn't actually thought about it at all. And I think that's just because you and I think of the game in, like, such different ways now. Um, but I, I do remember being frustrated by it a lot, um, you know, before I became really good. And actually, even now when I do speedrunning, like, sometimes if you mess up a certain... Uh, procedure in the level and like the timer starts getting close to running out you're like oh shit like this thing just needs to be 30 seconds longer <laughs> um because it, it really can like kind of ruin your momentum or ruin your mood if you're someone who gets upset easily by failure if like i mean i imagine most people don't love failing but anyway because because when the timer runs out if you've collected four of the five letters you know or if <laughs> yeah. you're 100 points away from your high score that you need and you run out of time then you got to do all that again right and it's yeah. pretty frustrating and probably pretty demoralizing. Like I remember getting frustrated by that all the time, you know. Um, now, as far as whether I think the timer objectively needs more time or less time, I think it's pretty hard to say. But I could see them. It's something that they stuck with for the next several installments. Like it's a tradition. Um, really? it, it wasn't when this game was made because it was the first game, obviously. But it's something that they stuck with. However, I do think it would make sense for them to have like been a little more generous for the first ever Tony Hawk game. <laughs> and then maybe if they felt that like people had gotten it by the later games, then maybe they could, you know, uh, shorten it or something. Yeah. I guess I only say this because, um, when you're coming in from a fresh new perspective, your first run through a level is finding everything <laughs> and you can't, and this, and one run through is not enough to find everything, honestly. But you're going to need several run-throughs to find every location of, uh, like, you know, all the skate letters or all the objects of that level. So, or the secret tape, even, even though they show you a little picture. Um, so that's just one thing I thought could be slightly buffed, for lack of a better term. (laughs) But, um, given more time, I think it would be easier to, or better not to have so many run-throughs where I'm, I was looking for something. But that being said, once you know where everything is, it does make it quite a quite an interesting challenge to get as many tapes as possible in that two minutes. So there I think there's like some kind of give and take there. So um I could see pros and cons of both. I think it's useful to think about the other extreme as if like if you had unlimited time. And obviously there are in between points, but if you imagine yourself having unlimited time and it's kind of like a free roam sort of thing and you can do the stuff like in whatever order you want or with however much time you want, then maybe the game feels less like you're progressing like in skill and more like you're just taking things off a list. Maybe having the timer helps you feel like you're progressing because, oh, now I can do this faster than I used to be able to. And so maybe that is kind of empowering in a way. Right, right. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm not saying get rid of the timer at all. I think the timer is necessary. No, I realize that. Interesting point, though, because... If you didn't have the timer, I mean, what is Tony Hawk anyway? Like, you're just skating around. <laughs> the T in THPS stands for timer. Not many people know that. <laughs> timer has progressed slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's pretty good for Off the Dome. Nice job, dude. <laughs> Thanks. One last thing I want to say about the, like, the, the missions, so to speak, is that I do like kind of how they're pretty much the same from one level to the other. The only thing that really changes is that 
and every level you have to like break a different type of thing which i actually just realized last night like you have to break stuff in every level like you're knocking over boxes <laughs> or you're grinding on tables which like isn't really breaking but you know the the law enforcement doesn't like that yeah so yeah very very much counterculture very much like street rat sort of objectives here but um if the game were really long which is something we can talk about in the content section but if the game were very long then i think i would have a problem with the tasks being pretty much identical from one thing to the next but because the game's fairly short and it is that arcade style i think it is pretty neat that you know once you're halfway through the game you know what you're looking for you just got to find it right and that you know probably streamlines things a little bit uh, one thing that annoys me about the some of the newer Tony Hawk games is when they have like the sort of free roaming, like activate objectives whenever you want approach is that some of them are like really weird and out there. Like, Oh, now I have to do this really convoluted thing. And it's like, man, I just want to like, you know, collect skate letters, um, which is actually something they brought back by popular demand. If you didn't know that they like brought back classic mode with like a two minute timer and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I forget exactly what installment, but they, they brought it back because some people thought that the open world thing was like, a little too weird, I guess. Um, I think there are merits to both. But anyway, my main point was, I think there are merits to the objectives being so similar in this game in particular. Right, right. Well, um, for those of you who have played Tony Hawk, um, let us know what you think about the timer, because I'm actually very curious to hear what other people think. I do like hearing people's thoughts. I do appreciate getting fan feedback. Um, So... If you have thoughts on this game at all, please let us know. And I know and I realize that's like midway through the gameplay section, but I'm just really curious as to what other people think. Um, but one point I do want to get into, if we can like move away from the timer for a little bit. Sure. Um, is I think this game does really well what it's set out to do, which I think is to be a high-flying skateboard game for the Nintendo 64. Like, what other... like. What other game for the Nintendo 64 has physics quite like this? You know what I mean? I think the physics of this game are just amazing. Like, you could just... You feel so free <laughs> when you're just, <laughs> you're just running around there with a skateboard and you're just like... I feel so free! free <laughs> you're just free. grinding on everything and you're, like, jumping all over the place. You could jump super high in this game. Um I don't know. The tricks are really cool, especially, you know, for the Nintendo 64, you're like, man, I'm doing all these fancy tricks and adding tricks to other tricks. And it's just so tricky, man. But I don't know. I, I'm, I was really impressed by the physics of this game and the fact that there really weren't too many. Well, I say there weren't too many in terms of the Nintendo 64, there weren't too many frame drops. It really felt really smooth and, uh, it was really fun. It's really fun to just pick up and go and I think it really excels at that. And I think it's like, if you want a high-flying, high or fast-paced action game, I think the skateboard game is the way to go. Yeah. You know, you were talking about, like, you said, what other games have physics like this? And there's maybe one, possibly two other skateboarding games from this era that I can think of. One of them was called Skate and Destroy, which actually I've heard is a pretty good game. It's not, you know, it's not identical to THPS or anything. Um but the fact that I couldn't think of anything just goes to show like how dominant THPS was in the market, you know, because because this game came out at a time when extreme sports were really taken off, and after Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, then you had stuff like uh, Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX, Dave Mira's BMX, uh, Kelly Slater Pro Surfing. Like it spawned an entire genre. Yeah, 
that's how iconic this particular game was to the point where it eclipsed like everything else, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I do remember back in those days, a lot of like around this time, especially after this game, a lot of like extreme sport games were coming out and now you don't really see them too much. So I kind of miss them. Games are the sports now. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, meta. Meta. <laughs> I will say that my brother, he didn't play this mu- game much as a kid, but he's just now getting into skateboarding, and he's he was really in awe of this game, which I thought was really bizarre because it's just this blocky Nintendo 64 game. <laughs> but it just goes to show you how, I mean, just how cool this game looks. Yeah, even some of the pro skaters who are in this game liked it and liked playing it when they came out. Like there, there are footage of some of the pros like playing it on their laptops or their PS2s or PS1s or whatever. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, it's not it's not a realistic game. It's not like EA's skates, which was supposed to be more realistic. It's just like it's just fun. And it's supposed to capture the the personality of skateboarding, I think, which is something I do want to talk about a little more later. Cool. But uh yeah, you know, it's it is very arcadey and that's like that's the draw. And it does that super well. Cool. Well, I think that about does it for my gameplay section. How about you? All right. Uh, I got a little bit more that I want to say if you do not mind. All right. Fly on, brother. <laughs> fly on, Birdman. So this is a this is a retrospective thing. Like, if I had this game in front of me and I was reviewing it in 2000, I wouldn't be able to talk about this. But um, the future Tony Hawk games added a bunch of new mechanics, like the ability to manual, which if you're unfamiliar, it's like doing a wheelie on a skateboard, basically. Um, future games added the ability to do that, which allows you to link uh, more tricks across more terrain than you could in this first game. Uh, you could do things called reverts, where you could transition out of a pipe into something on the flat land, so you could like extend your combos pretty much over any terrain that you could find in the game. It was really incredible. Um, and so, since those are the games that I play more than this one, uh, sometimes when I go back to this one, it feels a little primitive, like oh, I can't do all these cool things that I can do now. Um, But I think the plus side to this game being a little more restricted is that it feels a little more pure, I think. And it makes me feel like you have to think more about what you're doing because you can't just link everything together all the time. Right. You have to find yourself, like, your ledge that goes into, like, two or three other ledges and then maybe a gap you can jump over and then that's it. And you have to, like, execute that really well and then just skate normally to the next thing, which is itself a lot more realistic (laughs) Than, uh, than what you can do in the new games. But um, I don't know how much of the newer Tony Hawk games you've played, so I don't know if you have your own like experience you can speak to on that, but that's just the way that I feel about the more restricted uh, palette, I guess, in this game. Oh, man. I actually... This is probably the only Tony Hawk's Pro Skater I've played extensively. So, actually, no. <laughs> I haven't played them too much. Uh, I know that I tried to pick one up like a... Like a long time afterwards, I was just so like, this game is different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't really have too much experience with the sequels. Yeah, maybe I'll do like a solo IG episode where I just rate all the sequels. Since <laughs> it's something that I've done multiple times and <laughs> could talk at length about. True, true. The one last little thing that I want to say is the uh, the bail animations, uh, aka the wipeout animations. Um and I'm lumping it into gameplay because I'm talking more about like how they affect the gameplay rather than their own visual merit. But um, there is one bail animation that lasts a very long time. And in future games, you could mash buttons to speed up the process of your skater getting back on their feet. 
But in this game, like you just have to deal with this really long bail animation <laughs> that takes like four to five seconds, maybe. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're in the when you're in the zone, when you're flying high with the Birdman, and you eat concrete, and have to wait five seconds to get up, you just lose all your mojo. You know. Yeah. There are a couple different bail animations, so this one doesn't come up all the time. But I think it usually comes up if you're traveling like particularly fast, um, as a way of kind of like punishing you. Like, oh, if you go fast and you mess up, you got to pay the price. Which is kind of cool, and I get it, but it's still a little like annoying. <laughs> right. That sounds like a speedrunner's perspective. <laughs> uh, it bothered me long before I started speedrunning. So <laughs> true. I guess the game is time based, so five seconds can yeah. be pretty. There could be like something right in front of you. You crash, and you're like five seconds to reach you. Like no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happens to me more often than you would realize. Still at this point, so <laughs> Ugh, man. That's got to be the worst. Yeah. But uh, that does it for me. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, shall I go ahead and give my rating for gameplay? Go for it. All right, cuckoo. I was a little more critical of the gameplay with this game, but I still think it's a pretty good score. I gave it an 80. Dude, this might be our most different rating ever. <laughs> Did you give it a 100? No, actually, and this is gonna this is gonna surprise you even more. Is I gave it a ninety five. What? Out of yeah, it's what? not it's not even on a it's not even a four point five. It's a four point seven five, I guess. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, gave it a ninety five. I am so shocked. This is actually pretty funny. So I wrote down five out of five, of course, and then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? There is this one thing. Like I can't say five out of five anymore because now that it's out of a hundred. That makes it sound literally perfect, and it's not literally perfect, so I'm just going to take off five points. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think the game has like necessarily aged super well, but I still think it's super fun, especially for the context when it you know was released. And uh, it has its problems, but I think that is just... I don't think it has that many problems, to be honest. And that's why I gave it a 95. I just think it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think uh, one interesting thing that, or at least one interesting thing that I think about the game is that as your skill goes up, it seems the game gets more fun, which I think that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah, absolutely. That is the case. It's <laughs> It might be more of the case with this game than many other games that I've played. I agree with that sentiment. I I've never beaten it, so... <laughs> <laughs> that says anything. I've played it probably since I was a little kid, and the game's not even that long, especially when you know where everything is. And I know where most things are in each of the levels. And yeah. For the record, for the audience, my personal record is 100%ing the game in eight minutes and 30 seconds. Beat that if you can. Drops my. That. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready to move on to those aesthetics? Aesthetics. Yeah, yes. dude. I am super, <laughs> super ready. Um, mostly because I love seg uh, segueing into that segment. But <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get right into the visuals, shall we? Um, do you want to start off? Sure, uh, since you started off last time. I will say that I think the visuals are the worst thing about this game by a big margin. <laughs> yeah. But they still get the job done. Okay. Um, so... My main problems visually are that things generally look pretty blurry because like textures weren't all that great. Not that textures were the forte of the N64, but with this game, I feel like it's particularly bad. Um, the skaters look pretty blocky slash blobby. They look kind of <laughs> plasticky, like they're they're weirdly shiny and like 
the the white skinned skaters all look like weirdly pale. Um, <laughs> the, the models and textures aren't very well defined. There's there's pretty noticeable fog in the game, which is like the way that they deal with a uh, draw distance. So like they keep the draw distance fairly low so that it's easier on the on the processing. Um, that's not usually a problem, but in multiplayer it's egregious. Like in multiplayer, your field of view is so much shorter; it's actually kind of insane. Um, but in single player, it's not that bad. So the, the other things I have to say about the visuals are all positive. So since we're on that kind of like critiquing train, I wonder if you want to pick up on anything that I might have said. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of agree with you on most of that stuff. Uh, I would say that being that it is a port from the PlayStation to the N sixty four. I don't think it was ever really designed to outshine the PlayStation version in terms of graphics, and the textures are definitely noticeable scaled, noticeably scaled down. Um, it's kind of funny. I wrote down that <laughs> the skateboarders are more distinguishable by their clothing than they are their faces. Oh yeah. So I thought it <laughs> they don't really have faces, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's very blocky, <laughs> um, but you're right. I mean, it kind of gets the job done. You know what you you are and you know what you're doing um so yeah i kind of agree with you on the <laughs> graphics are it's almost like uh adorable in a sense of how how kind of blocky and bad the textures are it's probably the most n64 looking game that i have on the n64 if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i, I kind of agree with you on that having said that though there are some things visually that i think the game does really well um I'm really impressed by the amount of uh, skateboard decks that they included, aka the designs that are on the underside of your board. Uh, each pro has a selection of maybe like seven to nine decks, maybe six to eight. I can't really remember exactly how many, but they're all like real decks that they used in their careers at that time, which is pretty awesome. Um, you can change your deck, you can change your wheel type. It's a fun little bit of customization in a game that otherwise doesn't really have any. Another cool thing is all the. All the like graffiti and like brand logos that are kind of plastered everywhere, but in a way that makes sense. Like you'll be you'll be in a like a skate park level, and they'll have you know uh, brand logos everywhere. And like oh, that's really cool. Like that's probably fairly realistic. I don't go to a bunch of skate parks, so I don't know firsthand. Um, but between like the graffiti and the the brand logos, like in cool places, it really adds a lot of like visual interest and personality. I think. That they didn't really have to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it is one thing that kind of stood out to me while I was. Uh, well, even when you like, I think when you uh, start up the game, right? They they do that weird looking Activision logo. It was Activision, right? Yeah, Activision published it. Yeah, they do that weird like eye looking Activision logo that you can see throughout the game, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I do really like the decks. Um, especially Jeff Rallies, where it just says Rally on the bottom. That's my <laughs> that's my favorite one. <laughs> oh, and that they have different wheels. I did like that too. Yeah. By the way, I think the logo you're thinking of, the one with the eyeball, that's the NeverSoft logo. Oh. Okay. Is that that's still in the same game then, right? Yeah, NeverSoft is the developer and they have the uh the eyeball logo. And then Activision oh, okay. was the publisher and they just have their blue, you know, Activision type logo. Ah, well, you beat the fact checkers to to their job. Score one more for me, y'all. <laughs> Checking our but, own facts. But yeah, anyway, I, I kind of agree with you on the uh, on those points. Oh, I forgot about one critique that I had. 
which is that the glass shattering effect, nine times out of ten, it looks absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, there's there are some boxes that are apparently glass boxes, although they look like they should be made out of wood or like you know some other tree based material. And you run into them, and then they shatter into glass. But the glass looks totally different from the the texture on the box. And then the glass panes just like fall through the ground really slowly and like weird. Like I mean, I get it wasn't a priority for them, and I get that it's just comical. Is all. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes. this is an N sixty four game. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> um, but <laughs> nothing to see here, folks. One thing I I thought the game did really well um, with was I, I kind of already mentioned this with gameplay, but. Uh, I still think the tricks look really neat uh, with in terms of like the players. Like I think that adds to the visuals a little bit um, because it's visually awe inspiring. You're like, man, I wish I could do that. And you're like, especially for an N64 game, you're like sticking your foot out there and like, I mean, I guess that would be the animations. I and mean, the animations of the the game I thought were pretty good. You know, I think the animations, I totally agree. And I think the animations are what they poured all of their, like, visual, well, not all, but most of their visual attention to because that was the part that they really needed to be on point, like, to sell the rest of the game, right? Because uh, I agree it looks, again, I'm not a skating expert, I'm just a skating fan, but it looks <laughs> fairly authentic and it adds, like, that little bit of realism that complements the arcade gameplay so well and makes it feel so high-flying and, you know, horn-tooting and all that stuff. Um but yeah, they, they definitely went to great lengths to get the animations just right, and I think you can tell. Yeah. Grinding looks like oddly satisfying in this game. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just super fun. So that's why I often, like, uh, oh, back in the day, I would put on the uh, un- like unlimited balance cheat where you would like just grind all over the place and you just keep doing tricks on tricks on tricks. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, th- I thought the tricks and the animations were super cool in this game. Uh, it's one of my favorite visual features of this game. Um, so, yeah. You know, I'm actually pretty upset with myself that I forgot to write that down. Like, I, like <laughs> I, wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about the animations. I was just thinking about, like, the quality of everything. So I'm glad that you were able to pick up on my, uh, my omission. You're slack, um, man. I'm picking up your THPS slack. Yeah, here I am saying, like, oh, I'm so good at this game, and I forget to talk about the animations. <laughs> Um, one little, yeah. one little last thing that's a compliment for it is that when you're in career mode and you are about to start a level, it brings up the screen that shows you what your objectives are. And it has like little illustrations of the level and like little renderings of the objects that you're supposed to hit or like collect or whatever. And those actually look really good. I don't know. It's kind of similar to my comments about the Pokemon trainer portraits and stadium. It's just like something that looks really cool and like almost illustrated in a cool way. Yeah. And it adds like a fun little like a fun little splash of visual interest before you start the level. And it kind of makes up for the level itself looking kind of crappy. <laughs> I kind of wish that uh they had put that somewhere where you can access it in the menus while you're in the middle of skating. Cuz you're like, what do I need to get again? I I mean, I found myself often needing to do that. That's a good point actually. Yeah. Like if I if I had gotten uh for example, the there's two like point based uh, tapes per level. Um, maybe I'd gotten the first pro skater point, or uh, I don't I don't know what the second tape is called. Do you know? Do you mean the high score and the pro score? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. The pro score is the lower one. The high score is like the the higher one that you need to get. Obviously, no, other way around. Oh, wait, really? 
Yeah, high score is lower, and then pro score is higher. Ah, dang. I'm not doing good with the fact checkers today. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, you did. I never knew which how much points I needed to get starting out, and that would have been really helpful to know in various instances. Um, so I kind of wish that they had put that in another place within the menus, but uh, not a big deal as the timer is like two minutes and your run's going to be over pretty soon anyway. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for me for visuals. That's it for me. That's it for me. <laughs> What's that from again? Emperor's New Groove? Yeah. Yeah. My, my I like girlfriend that. quotes Quote. it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But um yeah, so let's let's hear your rating, man. Let's what did you give the visuals? Oof. Uh not the highest score I've ever given visuals. I gave it a seven zero. Seven zero. A seven T. Seven T. I'm liking that you're adopting this new uh this new point system very well, man. You're really hitting its stride. Yeah, well I know it's it's here. I gotta gotta use it. <laughs> I think Aaron Miller would be happy about that. Yeah, I think he would be too. Um, (laughs) I gave it an 80. Um, all right. I, I was just really impressed with the tricks and stuff like that in the game. Um, I, it might be a little high, but I'm okay with it. So, yeah. Well, you gave it an astonishingly low gameplay score. So this makes me feel a little bit better about your overall (laughs) impression. Um, Right. Yeah. Anyway, onto the audio. Onto the audio, dude. I'm just going to start off. And I'm going to start off by saying <laughs> I love the soundtrack in this game. Hell yeah. <laughs> Especially for an N64 game where they incorporated, you know, real songs and like songs from bands. Um, particularly, I mean, I remember this soundtrack throughout the years and particularly I remembered Psycho Vision. Yep. And Psycho Vision would pop into my head at random points in my life. While I'm in school or just driving around, I'd be like, Psycho, Psycho Vision. <laughs> and I would just be like, you know what? I really miss playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, and I would have these like flashbacks before I, I met you and you had started running this game. And so when you started running this game again, it really was just a neat blast from the past. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the soundtrack. Um, that being said, it can get a little bit... Uh, it can get a little bit repetitive and start to wear on you after a while. After you've heard the same song over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and you're especially if you're already frustrated with the game, if you're on the same level, which you know my skill is skill set with this game is not as high as Peter's, so he wouldn't be stuck on a level ever. But if you are stuck on a level and you're hearing Psycho Vision for like the tenth time, you're like, okay, okay, I get it, Psycho Vision. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I do still love the soundtrack to this game. To clarify a little bit on the uh, repetitive nature, the reason it's so repetitive is because the N64 did not have enough storage, I believe, to store like full-length songs. So what they did was they cut each song into, you know, a loopable segment and then looped it. Um, and the song will not change unless you change levels or unless you go to, like to the pause menu and specifically say skip track. So if you're a person who's not very tolerant of repeated music, then this game is probably not for you. Um, <laughs> I personally have never been too bothered by the looping, so I wonder if I kind of got like Stockholm syndromed into liking it. <laughs> um, but also the songs themselves are really good. They have like a great selection of 
some punk and ska and like that type of uh kind of like skater rock music if you want to give it like a super dumb like umbrella term to it um i say dumb because it's not my area of expertise so i don't really know what i'm talking about here um future games would incorporate more hip-hop and more uh like a little bit more off the wall tunes like Johnny Cash and other stuff you wouldn't necessarily associate with skaters as an outsider. (laughs) Um, But the soundtracks became like super, super huge in scope and super legendary over time. But this was like the start of it all. Um, And these songs I think are embedded in the psyches of like so many kids or people our age who aren't kids anymore um, around the country just because they played this game and the sequels and all that stuff. So yeah, possibly annoying because of the repetition but just really great songs and i love them and i love singing them yeah i, I completely agree they're, they're great um if you haven't ever heard them i would say go look them up but i feel like looking them up doesn't do it justice you have to play the game with the soundtrack um but uh going to a different point um one big thing i take into consideration with audio and games is Kind of the sounds and little nuanced sounds and sound bites of the game, like uh, maybe like falling down or uh, like grinding on something or doing a trick or just rolling around with your skateboard. Those parts of the game are kind of my, uh, not particularly this game. I would say that this game with the little nuanced sounds, it doesn't really stand out a lot. And I would say nuanced sounds are kind of like my favorite parts of audio within a game. But here I didn't really care because the soundtrack was so good. <laughs> like it doesn't really stand out in terms of like, oh yeah, listen to these cool skateboard sounds or these cool trick sounds or whatever. Like, you know, when the taxi cab driver's driving by, he's just like, hey, get out of the road. I love that. I wrote that down because I wanted to mention it. So I'm glad that you did. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he could like lay you out and he doesn't care. And then he's like, get out of the street. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, dude, like, calm down. <laughs> he's just furiously making the block like over and over again. But yeah, I, that that's kind of literally all I have to say about the audio is sound, the, the nuanced sounds of the game aren't like outstanding, but the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, as far as sound effects go, um, they're they're plagued by a problem that the soundtrack is also plagued by, which is that like the quality of the sounds themselves isn't all that great. I know this is a point that I wasn't sure if I had or not with Pokemon Stadium, but this game, like to me, it's very obvious that these are not the highest quality of samples or of loops because they couldn't because of the technology limitations. The limitations. (laughs) But even beyond that, like I think I remember when the game first came out and I was reading Nintendo Power about it, they said like, oh, they have these super realistic sound effects. And maybe it was the first time that someone like recorded something that sounded like a skater, you know, hitting a rail or something. Um, so it's probably, <laughs> it's probably pretty cool from that standpoint. Cause like when, yeah. when did people ever need to record that before? Probably not very much. Um, <laughs> so right. from that standpoint, the sounds are kind of impressive, but like in the N64 version of the game, they just, they're serviceable, you know, like they, they let you know what has happened and that's about it. Like there's not a whole lot of like charm or like anything distinctive. It's just, you know, the sounds, that's going on, which is fine. That's that's just what the game needs, I guess. Yeah. Can you imagine, uh, like, prepping for this game and they're like, "All right, we need you, we need you to hit this pole as hard as you can." Wait, why? Because we need to sen- we need to know what it sounds like, <laughs> so that we can put it into our game. <laughs> and the kind of the sound they came up with, if you haven't heard it, is is pretty funny. 
It's like, pow! <laughs> <laughs> and the skater's like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> the oof. Um, oh, man. One, like, actual problem that I have with the sound effects, uh, actual problem TM, is that some of the some of the volume levels of the sound effects aren't balanced out all that great. Like, I noticed that the sound of your skateboard landing after you volleyed is, like, pretty significantly louder than almost any other sound effect, which is maybe not always noticeable, but if you have the volume up, like, at all, then it kind of is jarring. Um, and there are other things that are, like, a little too loud or a little too quiet. So it sounds like they might have been a little bit lazy in that regard, which is not a big deal. Me being the audio person that I am is just something that I notice and thought I should point out right? for the sake of being as thorough as possible. <laughs> right, yeah, I would never notice those things. But I want to ask, since we're on that point, uh, when you're in like the little pools, does the, is the sound like louder in the pool as well for your skateboard, just like um, plane skating through it? Is it louder? Um, like louder than the normal sound of it rolling across asphalt? Right, yeah. It seems to be louder for... Because you can tell when you're on like a tiled surface. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it goes like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe so. I didn't notice that in particular. Maybe you're just noticing it more because you hear that sound a lot less than you do, the sound of just normal asphalt. So maybe it's like yeah. standing out to you because it's different. Yeah, you might be right. Anyway, that's it for me on audio. <laughs> I agree. That's also it for me. So uh, why don't you why don't you give us your hot and fresh take on this audio section? My hot, fresh, uh, frosting covered, high calorie take on this is uh, I give the audio an eighty. An eighty. Wow. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I I probably sounded quite critical there, and I think I yeah I, pr- I think I probably did, but. The music just pretty much makes up for any other faults, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gave it an 87. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, I love the soundtrack. Can't get enough of it. Psycho Vision, man. Sorry, go. <laughs> yeah. Well, moving on to content, our last section of the game. Go ahead, man. You know I'm all about uh, that content. I do. So I mentioned this briefly before, and I think you agreed, is that the game's fairly short. But I think that's not a bad thing. Um, the game is short but sweet, I would say. You know, it's, it's the first game in the series, so there's no reason for them to, like, chalk it so full of content before they know if it's going to be, like, good or not, I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. Um, but also, the gameplay is so strong, I think, and so satisfying that you don't need all that many like different levels or objectives to really just have a good time. Cause that's what the game is all about. I think is just flying through the air, pulling your stunts, having a good time. Right. So my short and sweet impression is that the game is short and sweet. Um, there are nine levels. Uh, kind of wish they were an even 10, but you know, whatever, I'll take what I can get. Um, <laughs> there's a pretty good, <laughs> there's a pretty good variety across nine levels. So I don't think that's really a concern. You've got your, uh, busy, Somewhat busy city streets with uh, homicidal taxi drivers. You've got uh, your traditional <laughs> skate parks. You've got a mall, a shopping mall. Actually, that's a good that's a good point. Is the downhill levels? They have the mall level, and then they have the kind of like canyon looking level that are uh, point A to point B, rather than like a large map. And those are pretty cool as far as uh, variety is concerned. Shitty for speed running. Fucking suck for speed running, but it's really fun for <laughs> uh, for anything else. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> they really are because you can't go back and get anything. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, yeah, no. To that point, I actually did write down short, simple, and sweet. And I also wrote that I loved it for that because sometimes there is a beauty and a charm to have being so simplistic and uh, having a lot of replayability. And I think that game, this game excels very well at that. Um, if you want to pick it up, if you want to play it, if you want to like your quick skateboarder fix, this is the game for you. Um, and sometimes we know you just need those kind of games that you can just kind of pick up and go. And this is a really great game for that. Um, one thing we've kind of forgotten to touch on is there is one slightly different game, not really game mode, but like the competitions. Yeah, I thought about I thought about that, but I uh, didn't say anything. Yeah, we uh, they kind of deviate from the norm in that you for these particular levels or for the competitions, you don't necessarily have to, well, I mean, not necessarily. You really you're not getting tapes. You're trying to outdo all the other skaters. Um, and score higher than them based upon these judges' scores. Um, and well, Peter can probably explain this a little bit better. Uh, why don't you go ahead and explain how that works a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you did a pretty decent job, but if we want to get like into the into the weeds with it, um, really all, all that you do is you compete in one-minute runs called heats, and each competition is made of three heats. And uh, after each heat, you get a score out of 100, which is averaged across five judges or three judges. The judges don't really matter. You just get an average at the end. Basically, that's all you need to worry about. Um, what whatever skater has the highest average across other three heats at the end is the winner. Um, and in these and these competition levels, you have to get third place or better to progress. That's really the bottom line. Right. And I I thought that adding that to the mix in uh, career mode. Um, was was really neat and it kind of like it kind of shifted the pace a little bit and it kind of made it I don't want to say more intense but like you felt like everything that you had done up to that point of the competition was prepping you for that moment <laughs> like you're like all right I'm ready and then you you set out to get the gold medal now it wasn't necessarily hard to get the gold medal um, but it's still a little bit of a challenge and uh, I think those were even shorter in terms of time. Yeah, you had only one minute to do those rather one minute, than the yeah. usual two. Yeah, so... Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, and generally, those levels, correct me if I'm wrong, were more friendly in terms of like giving you areas to do tricks in. And it wasn't, it wasn't so much about navigation, it was more about performing the tricks and giving you the space to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, two of the three levels are set in skate parks, you know, not like city blocks or warehouses or whatever. Um, and one of them, at least, uh, Burnside Portland, is based off an actual skate park. I don't think that the first skate park level is based off anything. Uh, the Roswell competition level certainly is not based off anything, to my knowledge. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, alien research facility. Also, by the way, I think they should have named that Area 51 and not Roswell because they're not the same thing. But uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fun little alien fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I actually didn't like the competitions very much when I was younger. Um, I think because I thought the one-minute timer was a little stringent and also because I think I preferred like the sort of exploration aspect of the other levels. But um, nowadays, I appreciate them more for what they are. And I do like that they bring a change of pace 
into the game. Right. Yeah. And I, and I do think it was important to touch on like, uh, the kind of variety in the levels. I think that kind of speaks to the content a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought that point up because I do like the vast variety in those levels. One thing I'm not sure that we've talked about is that there is a free skate mode where you can skate around any level that you've unlocked without any goals or restrictions. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about the timer and talking about the competitions and stuff, and I feel like I don't think we mentioned the free skate mode. So uh, for people who don't know, you do have the option of just skating around and just having a grand old time, uh, which I think is one of the more fun parts of the game, even is just chilling out, doing whatever you want, listening to Psycho Vision on a repeat, anything (laughs) yeah there is the multiplayer mode uh which i don't really think we've talked about i did mention how the levels get very foggy in multiplayer which is actually a problem um but as far as the game modes themselves you have the graffiti mode which is pretty fun you uh, perform tricks on objects and uh you do that to claim them as your own but if the other person does a better trick or better combo on an object then they get that one so that's you know kind of like a back and forth battle there's a more standard trick attack mode, which is whoever has the highest score at the end of two minutes wins. Pretty straightforward. There's a classic game of horse, previously seen on the basketball court, but then they brought it into the <laughs> skate park, and it's uh, really fun, I would say. I, I would have a lot of fun on horse. Yeah, and you can make up your own words for what you think horse should be. <laughs> like neared. Neared. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually really enjoy the multiplayer mode. Uh, that's probably the most interaction I've ever had with the game. Uh, me and my cousin, uh, we we played that a lot, and uh, she and I went back and forth on like beating each other. But most of the time, she won. Um, she, I'll, I'll blame it on that. She knew the game. She had she owned the game, so she could play it more. But uh, really, I'm just garbage. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I had I just had a lot of fun doing that. Um, my cousin could always do like these insane tricks that I always wished I could do. I wonder if I'm better than him now, because I feel like I am, but I don't know for sure. But yeah, multiplayer, it's actually really fun to play with your friends. Um, And you wouldn't think it, kind of at first glance of the game, you wouldn't think, oh yeah, let me just play this uh, skateboarding game with my bro. But um, it's actually quite fun, so uh, y'all should give it a try if you haven't. Yeah, I would say that generally most things are more fun with a friend. Yeah. True. <laughs> especially especially real life skateboarding. Real life skateboarding I imagine is probably like a million times more fun if you're with your uh with your fam doing some stunts. Um one issue with multiplayer that I forgot to mention until now is that three of the larger levels in the game are actually very heavily edited down to be smaller. I assume to save on like processing power and rendering and all that stuff. Um so that's a bit of a disappointment. Um but you're probably not spending too much time in multiplayer unless you're like Kevin and his cousin, I guess. So maybe then <laughs> maybe then that might be an issue. I, I generally didn't play too many multiplayer games growing up, so for this episode and for all future ones, it's kind of a perspective I have. Um, but anyway, yeah, probably like the one shortcoming of multiplayer mode, I would say. It would be cool, now that I think about it, to have a two-player free skate mode where you can just vibe out, do your thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Later games did have that, and so I kind of miss it in retrospect, but I feel like even back then I would have thought, oh, I would like a two-player free skate. Maybe there's a mod for that. Yeah. Oh, something I'm surprised you haven't mentioned is cheat codes. You know, that's also on my list. You want me to discuss that? Oh yeah, bit? go 
go hit that up, man. I'm I'm ready to hear this. So I actually don't remember most of the cheat codes. Um, I think future games had more, so I'm not sure like which ones are in this game versus the later ones. In this game, the way that you enter cheat codes is by pausing the game and then inputting a super secret classified code sequence of buttons on the pause screen. Um, what's pretty cool is that the type on the pause screen will shake if you enter in the code properly, which is pretty cool. It's a fun little indicator. Like, it doesn't make a noise or anything. It just kind of shakes up and down, or side to side, I forget. Um, Kevin mentioned earlier that one of the cheats is the perfect balance cheat to where you can grind forever and not worry about balancing. That's a pretty fun one. There are also cheats that increase your score. Like, I think there's like a 10-point 10, 10 score multiplier, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. I haven't busted that one out in a hot minute, though. Right. To be totally honest, I don't really remember any other ones. Hmm. Well, I will say, I don't I don't really remember much of them either. Um, the one me and my cousin played with, and I really think is the better way to play this game, is the perfect balance one, like I had mentioned earlier. If you play through the game with that, it's just so much <laughs> it's so much fun. Imagine just like because grinding makes you faster in the game. Yeah. Uh so you can kind of just like go nuts. Like you could just go like extreme speed all over the place and you can do like all these insane like different like uh like grind to trick to grind to trick to grind like all over the map and it's just super Super fun to kind of pull those things off, but I had a lot of fun using that cheat code. So There was a period of time where I was actually dependent on that cheat, and I had to wean myself off it because I was like, you know what, I should actually play the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you yeah, like, it's pretty, it's pretty addicting. Yeah. A little, little random tidbit. I believe this is the only t- Tony Hawk game where your score from grinding is based on the distance you grind. In all the other games, it's based on how long you're on the rail for. So that's kind of interesting. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, so if you're grinding slow in this game, you're not going to get all that many points, which sucks because you still have to balance just as like hard, I guess, as you would at a higher speed. So kind of interesting. Cool. One thing that I'm surprised I haven't mentioned yet, but is on my list, is the roster of skaters in this game. You know, Tony Hawk's the dude on the box and in the title and with all the money and all that stuff and the 900. <laughs> Dude, he's like 50 almost by this point. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. But he's still, I don't know how much he still skates, but I'm pretty sure he still skates some. But anyway, Tony Hawk's not the only, you want to go ahead? (laughs) He has a son (laughs) that I've I've recently figured out that skates. Um, So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. His sons were actually secret characters in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 before they were even like old enough to be good skaters. Like they just threw them in (laughs) there. It's fun. Um, yeah, but he's not the only person in this game. We got our fan favorite, Jeff Rowley, from the UK. Um, we've got a total of 10 skaters, plus a secret skater named Officer Dick, um, who is supposed to be a bit of a dick, I think. That's probably the joke. No <laughs> skaters, cops. Conflict right. is old as time itself. But anyway, you can unlock Officer Dick after you uh, collect all the tapes <laughs> with one skater. And he's a pretty cool character. He's like in his getup, and he has like fun little police officer themed moves which paint them in a very poor light but again it's a skater versus cop sort of thing um there is a super secret skater that will replace officer dick if you enter in a certain code somewhere um that skater is named private carrera and they're supposed to be sort of like a sexy army brat stereotype where they've got like a short like military skirt on or something and like kind of like revealing clothing and 
she has like vaguely sexual special moves. <laughs> but uh, that's private Carrera yeah. for you. She's in there. Um, <laughs> I don't think the game ever tells you how to get her. It's just something you had to like learn in the magazine or like have your buddy tell you like, oh, dude, you can get this like super hot girl. Tony Epstein, like, you know, something right. like that. Between all the skaters, there's a pretty good variety of special tricks that they all have um, and a good variety of like stat differences. Um, you know, they fit into usually like one of two archetypes, but they feel pretty distinct, I would say. And it's it's pretty fun to like switch between them. Right. I can't speak for personal experience on those, but didn't you, uh, I don't know, maybe I was just dreaming, but didn't you <laughs> reach out to Jeff Rowley himself? You know, I, I'm not sure. I might have actually dreamed this myself because I think it's just too good to be true. Um, <laughs> so Jeff Rowley is my preferred skater for speedrunning, and he's most speedrunners' preferred skater because of a couple of reasons. Um, mainly his special moves are very convenient for a speedrun in ways that I don't really feel like elaborating on right now. Um, but anyway, Jeff Rowley, he's the dude for speedrunning. So I found him on Instagram a couple of years ago, and I messaged him saying, Hey, you probably don't know this, but among the community of speedrunners of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, I then also explained to him what speedrunning is because I figured he probably didn't know. Uh, you are the preferred character for speedrunning the game. And he said, awesome, dude. Speed is the need. <laughs> that was his response. It was so awesome. It was so I sick. I love it. it was I freaking like, love it, dude. Yeah. Probably the most famous person I've ever interacted with, to be honest. It's Jeff Rowley. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, I talked to a fairly famous music producer once, but I feel like Jeff Rowley probably has reached more hearts and minds by virtue of being in these games because he was in a, he was in a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, he seems like a cool dude. So go follow Jeff Rowley on Instagram. Tell him I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. I think that's a really cool story. So I, I just randomly remembered that when you said Jeff Rowley, and I was like, oh man, Peter needs to share this story. Yeah. I was I was thinking about it, so uh, but I'm glad that you remembered because it's something that I'm very happy about. <laughs> well, cool. Um, honestly, I'm done with game or content at this point. My last tidbit is that, and this is another like retrospective thing, is that the future Tony Hawk games had really amazing customization modes to where you could create your own skaters and your own parks, and the park editor is something that I've spent an ungodly number of hours in. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in later games, and like I, I've made some very elaborate creations there, um, so I did miss that the times that I would come back to play this game. But I'm not really counting it against the game because it's the first in the series, and you know they didn't know that. Maybe they couldn't even do it. Like maybe it just didn't occur to them. But it is something that they implemented into future games, and they did that uh, really, really well. Right. So, just a little retrospective note. Yeah, a lot of my friends who had the sequel Tony Hawk Pro Skater games uh, would immediately go to the uh, uh, park editor mode and show me their parks and stuff like that. So um, the very little experience I've had with the sequels, um, I did find those to be pretty cool. So I, I, I can see how you really, you'd spend a lot of time there. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of customization in video games and uh, some of the later sequels gave you so many customization options that is actually kind of ridiculous. But, you know, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> ridiculous. All right, cool, man. Well, uh, what'd you give... Uh, well, I, you know what? I'll start off with this section. And I'll say... Oh, you're done with content, right? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, cool. I want to make sure... 
Um, but I gave content an 82. Nice. Yeah. What'd you give it? Gave it a hot, fresh, even, divisible by 10, 80. Ah. See, I like how we started out like my gameplay was much lower than yours, but I think I've outscored you. No, ex- did you? what did you put audio as? Uh, well, I guess this, is a, this would be a good time for us to just do our breakdowns anyway, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's go through. Okay, so uh, I did content 82, audio 87, visuals 80, and gameplay 80. I gave content 80, audio 80, visuals 70, and gameplay 95. Okay, cool. Which brings my average... Well, it brings my... My average aesthetics rating is now 75, which means that my three main ratings are 95, 75, and 80, which means that... My overall score for the game is 83.33333, and you don't know how angry it makes me to have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? You We originally started way off, right? Yeah. But now we're kind of right in the same ballpark because my overall score is 81.833333, <laughs> which rounds up to an 82. So we're, uh, we're not too far off, man. No, not at all. Interesting how that all kind of came out in the wash. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, I think uh, gameplay was really hyped up for you. You being a, a speedrunner of this game, uh, and then me being a super super casual that really sucks uh, <laughs> and needs to get good. I really want to beat this game, so I'm I'm about to go go ham on this game after this podcast. But uh, yeah, yeah. If you need any help, man, I got a couple of uh, PR videos that'll that'll learn you real nice, learn you real good. I just need you to <laughs> teach me the tricks, like what tricks to do. But anyway, not getting too much into that. Um, yeah, that'll <laughs> that'll do it for a rating section. So I believe we'll just take my overall rounded up score of eighty-two, and yours is what an eighty-three. Well, then it's somewhere around an eighty-two point five, um, which. If we go to our overall ratings, will be our lowest game, I think. It's very close with um, Pokemon Stadium and Mario Kart 64. By 0.5, it's off. But yeah, it's our lowest score, but still not a bad score. Yep. We still haven't reviewed a bad game. Um, <laughs> maybe one of these days we will. But it's still interesting to see how they stack up against each other. And I still think it's a very fair rating. Um, and obviously we both think so. We think it's around this kind of rating. So, um, yeah, really, really cool how to, to see how all of these games work out. Yeah. And we're already up to our eighth game, man. Feels like we've been doing this forever. <laughs> yeah. With that said, before I get into the next segment of the podcast, do we want to reveal our special announcement yet? Uh, sure. Uh, I'll go ahead and do the honors if you don't mind. Sure. Go ahead, man. Cool. So, Kevin and I are going to divide the podcast into seasons. We've recently decided. Uh, Season 1 will finish after our 10th episode, which will be two away from this episode, this one being number 8. And we're also going to take a pretty long break between seasons. I think about a couple months or so is what we had discussed. um, Right. Between Season 1 Season 2. And the reason for this is because we need more time to play more games so that we can both talk about them from a place of experience and understanding 
and integrity and authenticity, I would say. Um, <laughs> because believe it or not, we were actually kind of running out of games that we had both played a lot and could more or less just dive into. I mean, even then, like you had to play Zero Mission and uh, Super Mario World, and I had to play Stadium. So um, we we just decided we needed more time to do more games justice. And uh, if you're someone who listens to the podcast on a regular basis, we hope that you understand. We hope that this doesn't make you too sad, but you can, of course, uh, email us, tweet us if you ever get lonely uh, during that little break. Actually, I have an idea for something we might do during the break. Kevin, I'll talk to you about it off the air um, so as to not spoil anything. <laughs> but I think, I think we, could, uh, we could keep providing just a little bit of content during that time. Um, so yeah, after episode 10, which we have the remaining episodes planned out, by the way, uh, after episode 10, you can expect us to be somewhat off the grid for a spell, and then we'll come back in full force with a whole bunch of new games to talk about. Right, and we really want to just bring you that that good quality game reviewing content. And it's not that so much that we're running out of games. We want to, I mean, we kind of are, but at the same sense, it's like we're running out of the diverse amount of games. We don't want to, you know, obviously we've both played like five different Zelda games, but we don't want to just do five straight Zelda games, although it might be good for a series or something like that, maybe one day. But, you know, we, we want to bring you a diverse content, uh, you know, amount of content. And, uh, yeah, so we want to bring you that quality, and we also need some time, vacation time. No. <laughs> but Because uh, this is our job now, yeah. as I often say to Kevin. I mean, we all, <laughs> yeah, we have real lives and stuff like that, and it's not like this is a super demanding thing, and we enjoy bringing you this content. Um, but we want to have some time to really delve into some of these games that might take a longer amount of time to beat, um, and kind of give you a good quality review on those things. And, you know, these first 10 episodes, they're about two hours each. Um, so you've got at least 20 hours of IG content to keep you busy until we come back. And we won't be, we won't be gone that long, and we are coming back. So I just wanted to say that. Having said all that, though, I think it's time for us to move into quite possibly the best section of any podcast ever recorded on this planet Earth. Shell, yeah, the quick attack section. Are you ready for this quick attack section's words? <laughs> I am so pumped to be hearing these words for the first time. Please lay them on me. <laughs> All right. Um, before I get into that, quick attack section is if you haven't, if you don't know by now, or if you've somehow skipped our previous episodes and just landed on this one, uh, go check out our previous episodes. And if you don't want to do that, well, the quick attack section is basically where I hit our boy Peter up with some various uh, gaming news of today. I've really said that. I botched that sentence completely. But I, I hit him with some gaming news that's uh, pretty recent, uh, relatively recent. And he, uh, he tells me whether he's buying or selling, but I switched the words up. And that's pretty much it. So this, this week's words are dreaming or memeing. Whoa. <laughs> These are good words. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, this is gold. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let's hit it up. A new legendary Pokemon was officially released on April 9th named Zorora Aura, which is not really news to many. Uh, it was kind of leaked, and uh, a lot of people already knew about it. But it is an electric Pokemon that resembles a cat with yellow and black fur, and I'm sure you've seen it, but um, 
It, it looks pretty cool to me, but are you dreaming or are you memeing this Pokemon? <laughs> I would say I would say that I'm a dreaming. Yeah, that's the right one. I would say I'm dreaming. Looks pretty cool. I did some minor research into it after you linked it in our group chat with the Zling zero nine three. Um, I think I read that in in the Pokemon lore, it is unable to produce its own electricity, but is able to like channel or amplify existing electricity that it comes into contact with, uh, which is pretty unique among electric type Pokemon because I feel like they can generally make their own shit. But this one's like, nah, fam, gonna gonna pass you this good stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Give you that current. That's interesting because I didn't know that. And so I'm kind of wondering, like, if you just cut off the existing electricity in the area, is it ineffective? Maybe so. Maybe it's a, God forbid, maybe it's a legendary Pokemon with a weakness. (laughs) Yeah, God forbid. All right. It's just a regular, regular person like you and me just doing its thing. (laughs) Yeah. Detective Pikachu. (laughs) Well, moving on to uh, our next point. <laughs> Multiplayer mode will be coming to Stardew Valley in about a month or so. Are you memeing or are you dreaming? I'm super, super duper dreaming on this. This sounds amazing. And uh, I've been looking forward to it for a while, and I know that other people have too. Um, curious to see how they implement it, though. Do you have any idea how they're going to do that? I believe there'll be a lot of uh, involvement with help. Like Other people will be able to help you out with your farm. So I'm yeah. kind of I'm really glad to hear that. I'm really like it just seemed like from the get go it was a game that could work really well as multiplayer, and I was quite surprised to learn that it wasn't multiplayer. And I'm really excited for it. So um, maybe if you get a switch, you can get Stardew Valley, and we can just like farm it up, bro. <laughs> farm it up. <laughs> I mean, it's probably just like living with uh, with the spouse, you know, having someone to help you and support you. You know, you and I yeah. could be uh, married farmers. Hang yeah, out. we could be. I don't think Katie would mind that. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, um, moving on to our next fact, and you're gonna hate me for this, but oh lord, this okay Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> no, now hear me out. Fortnite is pretty big <laughs> in today's gaming news, and it's kind of really hard to get around Fortnite. So I'm really sorry, but we have to do some Fortnite news, and it's kind of cool. So at least I I gave you that. So it is rumored that, okay, so that in Fortnite, you know, there's a big multiplayer map, um, and, you know, it's it's the same every time. Well, um, there's a comet up in the sky people have noticed, and it's starting to get closer and closer. It is rumored that that comet is going to destroy a very popular location known as, um, oh, uh, Twisted Towers, I think that's what it's called. Oof, I might have forgotten the name. <laughs> Fact checkers. Fact checkers, I'm sure I'm going to get called out for that one. Um, Tilted Towers, that's what it's called, sorry. Tilted Towers. And uh, it's rumored that it's going to destroy that entire town. Are you uh, dreaming or are you memeing? Can I ask a clarification question? Sure. Are the Tilting Towers, uh, are they a place where people, like, camp? Like, are they, are they like, too good of a location? It's typically... Is this them, is this them patching the game with a comet? <laughs> because that's actually literally what I thought. It kind of, I think it kind of is. Uh, Tilted Towers is known as a place where there, obviously there's a bunch of towers. There's a bunch of city towers within like this one confined area. Everybody, like half the people at, on the map, which is 50 because there's 100 per uh, map, um, they go to the Tilted Towers and they battle it out. And 
only a few, select few make it out, right? It's just a place where a lot of people just go and they just battle it out. It's always highly congested traffic. So, um, yeah, they're going to destroy that area. It's rumored. Um, honestly, that sounds pretty dope. I, I would say I'm dreaming, knowing... Well, un- until now, I didn't know that Fortnite only had one map. I also didn't know that you could have 50 people per team, is what it sounds like. So that's pretty cool by itself. Um, but... I feel like what what I what I thought when you first mentioned this piece of news is that I thought that they were patching like like nerfing this location basically by getting rid of it, um, but in a cool way that wasn't just them like pushing a random update, you know? Right. Um, it sounds like this is oh, this is a rumor still, so we don't know if this is actually what's going to happen. But and if that were to happen, we don't know if that's the intent or not. But if that is not the intent, then you're welcome because I just gave you a great new idea. right yeah um no it's been strongly rumored and i want to clarify it's not like 50 per team but like there's 100 players per map you get what i'm saying oh so you can be divided up into different ways right and the typical way is either you can do solos duos or squads which squads is a team of four um but usually or generally everybody goes to uh tilted towers and uh Tilted Towers is rumored, strongly rumored, to be destroyed with a comet. <laughs> so, cool. Cool. Um, so the next fact, moving away from Fortnite, um, there is new gameplay footage from God of War that has been released showing off the game's impressive and stunning graphics and its gameplay as well. I don't know if you've ever played God of War, if you've ever seen God of War, um, but it's a highly... Uh, it's a very popular game, and it's a highly anticipated series um people really like it for its high paced action and graphics um are you dreaming or are you memeing this i'm gonna be a real jerk for no reason and say that i'm memeing but uh <laughs> no actually i have i've like i've touched god of war basically because my former roommate had it and i saw him playing it for like a couple of hours i was kind of hanging out with him watching him play the game and i i got my hands on the controller and play a little bit too um i don't really know much about it but i have heard it a lot and I know that it is a very famous franchise and seems to be really good so if there's a new God of War coming out and looks promising then I'm going to be dreaming on it cool cool I feel like most of our news is particularly positive but that's okay you know what I really like spreading positive gaming news anyway our final and last quick attack fact or gaming piece of news um A remastered version of Crash Bandicoot, dubbed Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, is heading to the Nintendo Switch. It has already been released on all the other consoles and the PC as well. So, uh, are you dreaming or memeing this uh, game coming to the Switch? Uh, Dreaming, I guess, because a game coming out for a system is generally a good thing. But (laughs) um, if you've listened to other parts of the podcast, you might have heard me talk about how this remaster didn't seem to go super duper well. Uh, right. From what I've heard, so from that perspective, I am memeing. But cool, uh, I don't feel too strongly either way. I'm, I'm not like a big Crash Bandicoot person, but I know that a lot of people are. Right? Yeah, a lot of people are really excited about it, despite uh, kind of I haven't really heard much about the remastered stuff for the console and stuff. But yeah, all right. Well, that does it for our quick attack section, man. Good job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I tried really hard to <laughs> be as fair and balanced as possible. Right. 
Well, cool. Um, now that we've reached the official end of the podcast, I want to thank everyone who's been listening so far. Uh, Kevin is our social media manager. Uh, he, he will soon, <laughs> sometime soon, he'll have a business card that says so, maybe, if he's a good boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something I need to need to work on. But yeah, if you reach us at Twitter, uh, you will most likely get a cool response from Kevin. Our Twitter handle is the IG underscore cast. Once again, that is the IG underscore cast. Accepts no substitutes. We're the only ones. Um, <laughs> you can find our Facebook page. It's just the Interstate Gamers on Facebook. Um, I don't know how you're listening to us right now, but we are on Spotify. We are on Google Play. We are on Apple Podcasts. Um, so we're pretty easy to find. If you want to email us, which uh, one person has done that and it's been great, <laughs> you can email us at theinterstategamers at gmail.com. Yeah. Also, um, wait, did you say our IG ratings? I did not. I was actually going to let you do it because I know that you like to. Cool. I do like to do that. Um, Peter created this really nice and cool and fun uh, <laughs> spreadsheet for us. <laughs> Google Docs spreadsheet. Fun. Um, <laughs> on uh, and the URL for that is tinyurl.com slash IG ratings and if you want to go and check out all the uh, ratings that we've done for each game on there as well as the breakdown um, from each of these episodes definitely go and do that uh, it kind of just shows how our games that we've uh, ranked or reviewed stack up against each other and how we kind of uh, view them overall and uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting, and I definitely recommend go checking it out. I know I've uh, mentioned it for the se- past several episodes now, but uh, I definitely think it's worth a listen. Um, if you're a first time listener, definitely go check out our previous episodes. They're a lot of fun to listen to as well. Um, yeah, and so with the recent announcement that we've got uh, season one capping at 10 episodes, and then we're going to bring you season two, I'm pretty excited for what we've got planned for you for season two. And uh, what we've got planned for you for the rest of season one, I think it's going to be very interesting, and I think you guys are going to like it. I think so, too. Um, I want to mention another thing that we have been up to since the last recording, which is that Kevin found this cool website called backloggery.com. The original intent of the website was was for you to keep track of games that you owned but still needed to play. Um, However, you can kind of use it as as a way to keep track of all the games that you own or have played or will play or have rented or whatever. Um, basically, Kevin and I, I think, are treating it as just a repository of all the games we've ever played, pretty much. Right. So if you go to backloggery.com, that's spelled B-A-C-K-L-O-G-G-E-R-Y. Uh, backloggery.com slash caselugs, I think will take you to Kevin's page. Right. And then if you go to backloggery.com slash deal underscore four underscore real, that's a mouthful, um, you can see mine, and both of ours are pretty up to date. I think I have to add maybe like two games to mine, but uh, I've included like every game that I've ever spent more than like three hours playing, which is uh, kind of ridiculous, maybe. But I just wanted to have them all in one place. Um, it's pretty cool. If you're interested, I'll also see what we've been up to gaming wise over the course of our lives. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can go ahead and look at that. Yeah. I agree. I think that's definitely I when I discovered that I was like, "Oh man, this is super cool and I think we need to fill one out and it would be cool if we uh could mention it on the podcast." And what do you know? Peter Peter's ahead of the game. Once again. I got you, dog. I know you. Cool. Baby, I know you. Uh last <laughs> plugs from me before I'm done. Um 
our good buddy, our good buddy, Zlink zero nine three, aka Chris. Uh, I think we mentioned this last time, but he's been streaming pretty frequently on Twitch.tv. He's often accompanied by our co-host K Slugs, aka Kevin. Um, so if you go to Twitch.tv slash Zlink zero nine three, you can watch him play. Uh, Pokemon, you can watch and play Donkey Kong 64 with Kevin. Uh, after that game's done, I'm sure they'll be moving on to some other stuff too. Um, but he also has a YouTube channel. Uh, his YouTube channel name, I think, is just Zlink093, where he posts Let's Plays, including uh, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD, which I've been really enjoying. Um, Chris is a very relaxing person to listen to. He's very chill. Uh, he's trying to create like a, a nice atmosphere for you to wind down to. And uh, I've been enjoying it a lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Zlink093 is a very important person to both of us, and uh, I think that you guys should go check him out. Uh, with that, uh, I do want to say, I think it's his YouTube is a little different. I think it's Zlink Gaming. Uh, oh, you might be right. Yeah, but close enough. Fact checkers out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, you got anything else, man? Uh, that's it for me. With a hat trick of uh, quoting a thing that I don't remember first person or first hand. <laughs> Couldn't have made that any more awkward. All right. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, I believe that's it for Kevin, too. Is that correct? Yep. All right. Well, thank you again so much for listening. Thank you for putting up with our like 10 minutes of plugs and other random shit that we did at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll see you next time. Until then. Listen to me typing, you guys. You guys didn't believe me. I'm typing a storm. I'm typing a storm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you guys. Never guess. Old.